Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my compatriot, Sean the Arcade Phantom. Craig's ugly compatriot. At least I feel ugly. Sean, you're not ugly. Are we going to have to do another one of those things where we send you off to the Miss America pageant? (gasps) I get to go in the swimsuit competition again. There's no swimsuit competition for you, Sean. Aww. (laughs) You mean I shave my bikinis out for dumplings? (laughs) I... So today we're talking about Lisa the Beauty Queen. Yeah, and I got some weird feelings about this episode. I rather enjoy this episode, but it's I not perfect. I didn't like it as a kid. I'll, I'll flat out say that. I hated this episode as a kid. As a kid. Hmm. But as an adult, I grew to love it. When did this episode first air? This episode first aired October 15th, 1992. Yeah, so in this empowering episode, Lisa feels she's not attractive, prompting Homer to enroll her in a beauty pageant. Sean, what kind of news you got for us? So, remember last week when I was talking about Mortal Kombat? Uh, yeah, yeah. So on October 15th, one week later, Night Trap is released for the Sega CD. <sighs> for those that don't know, Night Trap is an FMV game for the Sega CD that stars basically a group of high school girls who are in a house. And you play a detective agency kind of weird supervision thing that has cameras in the house and you protect them from... Killers? There's a weird voyeuristic quality to Night Trap that makes me a little uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Night Trap is wonderful. (sighs) Sean. Yeah, Craig? So I could have talked about the Rostov Ripper, a Russian serial killer, today. Yeah? But there's something a little bit different I want to talk about. Yeah, what's that? Do you know who Rudolf Marcus and George's Sharpuck are? No. So, let me lay this on you. In the 1960s, they made huge discoveries and won no uh, Nobel Prizes. Oh, what so, for? So here they are. Uh, so in the 1960s, they made discoveries and... Uh, on this day in uh, 1992, they won Nobel Prizes for their work back in that day. I have good news for you, Sean. Holy shit. Right? It like never happened. I know. You always depress me. I guess Night Trap was depressing you. Scat was the organization watching over them for you. <laughs> of course it was. Uh, yeah, you had the depressing news today. I have the good news. So Marcus's uh, work involved the transfer of electrons between molecules, and Sharpuck invented the multi-wire proportional chamber uh, that registers particle reactions. And uh, uh, what... what what caught my attention the most in this story is the the reaction Sharpuck had. So they called him the Nobel Prize Committee, and they're like, "Hey, you won!" And he's like, 
shut up no i didn't and they're like no really you won and he's like no shut up i didn't that's not a thing you're lying they had to bring one of his friends who's on the nobel prize committee in and go no really you totally won (laughs) that's awesome they both uh marcus and sharpuck were both like what like i mean you know all right whatever sure like they didn't think much of their discoveries and inventions and stuff but they had a huge impact on the the science of that time so uh, i thought that was really interesting but i tell you what sean let's go ahead and dive right into our episode so we have uh uh, <laughs> the school and there's a banner uh, that says the happiest place on earth and it's the Springfield public school like festival or whatever yep and that's a registered trademark apparently Well, uh, the lawyer has Crusher and Loblo with them yeah he does Skinner is not having it so, He's, so who's that a trademark to the happiest place on earth uh, Disney Corporation right yeah it's Disneyland Disneyland specifically Disneyland Disney World is the most magical place on Earth. Ah, I didn't know that. Uh, I like that the the lawyer is like, you know, like, you need to change this. Like, you know, you're in big legal trouble. And Skinner's like, it's just a school festival. And they're like, you're, you know, like, you're, you know, like looking at, you know, all this, like, you know, like legal stuff. And uh, Skinner's like, well, or no, uh, uh, the lawyer says, you made a big mistake. And Skinner's like, well, so did you. You made an ex-Green Beret mad. And he beats the hell out of Crusher and Loblo and the lawyer. Well, I'm sorry. He beats up uh, one of the two goons, the lawyer, and then as the last goon goes to run away, he picks up the briefcase, throws it, and it nails the guy in the head. And he goes, copyright expired. Do you really think Disney would be that petty to make a lawsuit against a school, Craig? Yes. Yes, I do. No. No. Yes, no, I'm, I'm very sure they would. So I'm very, very sure. I'm like ninety nine percent sure. You're correct, sort of. Uh huh. So the Disney Corporation actually sued. Well, they charged a California elementary school two hundred fifty dollars for showing the Lion King remake during a fundraising event. Bob Iger, the then CEO of Disney, who is actually out as of yesterday before we record this episode. Oh right, I just saw that. Um, apologized to the elementary school and donated an unannounced sum to them for their fundraiser. Well, I'm glad that they made it up to them and weren't like, because I mean, like, that is so rotten. A school fundraiser. Do you know how much the fundraiser originally made? How much? $800. How much was the legal fees going to be? $250 charge. That's a good chunk of your fundraiser. Yeah, that's more than 25% of your fundraiser out Mm. the door to Disney. Lame. Glad that Bob Iger stepped up and did the right thing. And hopefully whoever takes your place at Disney will do the same if this ever happens again. I would certainly hope so. Because we love you, Disney, and we want to be, you know, taken in by you and given Disney money. Because this is a Disney show now. I've been to Disney World. Not all their booths take the Disney fun box. You Disney, Disney dollars are wonderful, and I cannot wait to go to Disneyland this summer. It, it, Disney's fun. It's I, I've only been to Disney World, uh, but but yeah, it's fun. You know, if you like teacups and Splash Mountain, <clears throat> who anyway. doesn't like Splash Mountain or Flash Mountain, as the internet calls it, when women show their job? What? But, but 
Classy. That's, that's a real website. I'm not kidding. <sighs> that's unfortunate. <sighs> Nelson doesn't really like the water guns and hits Martin with them. Who wouldn't? <laughs> we also have Bart, who's uh, gambling. And when Skinner's like, I don't remember authorizing this uh, event, he's like, goodbye, gentlemen, and throws a smoke bomb down. Uh, we have uh, Willie selling haggis. Have you ever had haggis? I've not. Uh, and interesting enough, uh, it is illegal to import uh, sheep lungs since 2010. I. Uh, uh, so it has to be made in America. Uh, I've never actually had it. Uh, to be honest, it strikes me as something I would probably like. Oh, yeah. It, I, I it like definitely everything. something you would like. I, I like everything. I like I like liver. I like, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it strikes me as something I'd probably enjoy. Liver and onions. <laughs> liver and onions. Ugh. Uh, Iron helps us play. <laughs> I was gonna start doing the the creepy clown laugh, but we'll we'll keep this moving. So, I uh, I uh, the Homer's at a booth where they guess your age and weight, and uh, the guy guesses fifty three years old and four hundred and twenty five pounds. Uh, do you have the actual uh, thirty six and three twenty nine? Isn't it two thirty nine? Oh, 239, you're right. 239, okay. Uh, Just dyslexia, because 300 is the magical <sighs> overweight number for the Simpsons. I'm bigger than that and just about as old as that. Well, funny that you mentioned 239, which is often Homer's weight. Uh-huh. 239 for his height is actually one pound below obese. <sighs> Do you know who shares the height with the Homer Simpson? Whose mm. weight is supposedly 239 pounds? Ooh. President Donald J. Trump. Really? Yes. Donald J. Trump is not listed as obese because he is one pound lighter. Oh, I'm sure. It's not like the doctor <laughs> changes that. I <laughs> uh, so uh over at the uh 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 paralyzer, uh which is a big like, you know, uh, uh carnival ride. Yeah, a big carnival ride, like you ride in rockets. Uh, we also see Wendell is on it, and it's like, why is Wendell on it? Because he wants to have fun. He's not going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to throw up. I, uh, I like that. I, uh, I, uh, you have Bart, who's like tells Otto, and he's like, crank it into high gear, and Otto's like, sure. And one of the, I, I always thought that one of the kids goes flying. It's on, one of the rockets, right? Yeah. On closer inspection, it is a. Uh, uh, there's nobody in it. But how much funnier would it have been if one of the kids went flying and blew up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, going back to theme parks, have a real sick fascination with theme park deaths. Yeah, we've talked about that before, and it gets depressing. So you bringing up that how funny would it be if a kid died? I mean, I, not really, just in the sense of the Simpsons. Are, are you on my internet searches in the middle of the night? Maybe. Maybe. I... But uh, we also have Millhouse go into a spook house. So I, I took a look online because, you know, the word spook, of course, refers to like spooky and stuff. But it can also refer to like a racial. Yeah, it's, it's actually term? used in pop culture. You might think of it in Back to the Future. Oh. When Biff is like and his cronies are fighting with the band outside. They refer to them as spooks. It's interesting because the uh, the the history of the word 
like it relates to uh, uh, like a, a particular unit like a, that was black in the war or whatever getting called that phrase and it like sort of became derogatory over time and so like it's weird because it's also the word spooky which is just sort of creepiness and stuff and so yeah the the fact that it's a spook house feels kind of weird it but, does it does in this day and age but it's not really i guess but uh, uh the biggest thing to let us uh, let the listeners know here is that uh millhouse goes in and we find out that it's actually uh jimbo dolphin kearney beating kids up and taking their money Bart then walks up and he's like, a spook house. Was it scary? And Millhouse is like, uh-huh, and walks off without warning Bart. <laughs> Which is great. Ah, Millhouse. Maybe they told leaner. him they beat him up more if he told people. Eh, I don't know if I buy that. Even if even if they did, I feel like he could have grabbed Bart and ran. But he's a wiener. I. Uh, and so Homer, uh, the they're doing raffles. And uh, uh, before that. Oh, yeah. Very big crux of this episode. Lisa gets oh, her character yes. painted. Right. So, uh, I, have you ever had that done? I have never had that done. Me neither. I've seen it done at like you know festivals and carnivals and stuff like that. Uh, but I've never actually had it done myself. Like having someone draw me as a character. So essentially, as an adult, I've always wanted to find somebody who does this so I could get them to do me as this basically version of Lisa chasing a boy <laughs> on roller skates. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. I've always thought that'd be really funny to have. I do like that the guy's like, uh, uh, do you like roller skating, little girl? No. <laughs> well, that's right. Everybody loves roller skating. And so basically he draws this like crazed version of Lisa that's boy crazed on roller skates. And she looks really ugly. It kind of brings Lisa down. Yeah, and everyone laughs at it, yeah. you know. Which, you know, Lisa's huge plot point that we almost skipped over with the uh, <laughs> raffle because it's so great. <laughs> All right. We're tired. Uh-huh. We already admitted it. Shut up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just told our listeners to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and so Homer's at the auction, uh, or the raffle, I should say, and uh, you know, it's the second prize is a shoe buffer. And Homer's like, oh, I never win anything. And Marge is like, you already own a shoe buffer at home. It's like, but I want that one. And Ned Flanders wins. And Homer's pouting, and he's like, oh my god. And the grand prize, though, is a ride on the Duff blimp. And Homer imagines what it would be like. And I love that the the pilot uh, is like on uh, the you know circular um, you know uh, things you see down there is uh, due to central pivot irrigation. And Homer's like, wow. Uh, which central pivot irrigation is essentially a big giant sprinkler that's like on an axis. Hence why the round, yeah. Now let's uh, see what's happening at the Super Bowl. Over, over, over. And like one of the guys like messes up the sign or messes up the sign or whatever. And I like that when Homer it cuts back into Homer in real life, he's like, Homer, Homer, <laughs> Homer. And Homer wins. And he's like, oh my God. And he's super excited. I. Uh, so. Lisa's really upset. Yeah, she ain't feeling so good. This is another sad Lisa episode, but it's not as sad as like um <laughs> Moaning Lisa. Moaning Lisa, yeah. Uh yeah, Lisa's pretty depressed though, and I like that uh uh you know Homer's like, you know, like, oh you're you know, you're pretty, you're you know, you're cute as a bug's ear or whatever. And Lisa's like, fathers have to say these things. And Grandpa Simpson walks by the hall and he's like, Dad, am I cute? And he's like, No, you're as homely as a mule's butt. 
but Lisa ain't buying it. So we have uh, over at uh, Moe's Tavern. Yeah, Moe's Tavern. Uh, we have Homer asking if Moe or Barney have ever felt unattractive. They have not. No. Yeah. No. Not for a second. <laughs> uh, and uh, so there's a commercial on TV. And what happens to that child that's getting thrown in the air? <laughs> she disappears. Wee. 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 And just vanishes. I guess every father thinks his daughter's the cutest. Well, now there's a way to prove it. <laughs> That's right. Jack Larson of Laramie Cigarettes comes on, who uh, was last seen in Bart the Murderer. Yes, he was. And now he's sponsoring the Little Miss Springfield pageant. And do you know why he sponsors it, folks? Well, because you can't put ads for cigarettes on TV anymore. Ah, that smooth Carolina smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but Lisa is age seven to nine, and... Uh, Oh, uh, by the way, uh, since January 2nd of 1971, TV ads have banned, or uh, you can't do TV uh, uh, cigarette ads for TV. It's always weird when I watch my Twilight Zone Blu-rays because they have the old cigarette ads on there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, oh yeah, that would have been what, like 20 years, right? Before that? uh, 50s? 50s, early 60s. Oh, okay, so yeah, 15, 20 years or something, man. I... And uh, I like that it's like, uh, and, you know, it'll be hosted by our own Mater D of Glee, Krusty the Clown. And it cuts to this grainy footage of Krusty, and he's like, I heartily endorse this event or product. But Homer needs $250 to enter. He doesn't have that money. He only got a blimp ticket. Oh. But he asks Barney on a whim. He's like, Barney, would you buy this ticket for 250 bucks? Yeah, Barney's got the money. Where the hell did Barney get the money? For some scientists. Since they stopped testing on animals, a guy like him can clean up. And he turns around to drink his beer, and you see that the back of his head is shaved, and there's, like, wires going out of his brain. Good for Barney. Well, that explains how he's staying afloat and buying beer at Moe's Tavern. I also love the imagery of the uh, the start of the next scene as Lisa's looking into the spoon. Oh, yeah. And it shows her distorted and stuff. It's a weird distorted version of her looking at herself. And she thinks that she's ugly. And so Marge goes to tell her the story of the ugly duckling. (laughs) This is one of my favorite scenes in this entire episode. (laughs) There once was an ugly duckling. So you're saying I'm ugly? No, no. I meant you were one of the good looking ducks. That makes fun of the ugly one. (laughs) (laughs) So Homer comes in and he's like, you know, uh, like if you had any wish in the world, Lisa, what would it be? And uh, Lisa's like, you know, to shut myself off from the world and like never be seen again. And he's like, uh, is your second choice to be entered into the Little Miss Springfield pageant? And Lisa's not having it. She is not thrilled that Homer entered her in. Uh, and what photo did Homer send in? He didn't have a photo big enough, so he sent that cartoon drawing of her on the roller skates. And she runs off crying. Interesting that, I don't know what kind of commentary this makes, but the, the episodes where Homer bonds with Lisa and fixes her problems are typically with money. Yeah. Lisa's pony in this episode. Not necessarily Lisa the Greek or moaning Lisa, but yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, uh, but I, you know, 
Marge is like, you know, Homer, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're looking at her through a father's eyes and Bart's like, yeah, have you seen these girls? And he starts getting all Tex Avery oh, yeah, of, uh, liking like, them. Hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> Splashes water on himself. Hits himself in the head with a shoe. <laughs> and Homer says, hey, nobody's prettier than my little girl. And uh, Marge responds, you're looking at her through a father's eyes. This is one of the most adorable lines Homer says. Well, if I could gouge out somebody else's eyes and shove them into my sockets, I would. But to me, she's beautiful. And I love that Marge, as like disturbing as that imagery is, it's like, that is so sweet. It is incredibly sweet that Homer says that he would switch eyes with somebody just to see how beautiful his daughter is. It, yeah, it, it is very, very cute. And so I... Uh, Lisa goes to talk to, or I'm sorry, Marge goes to talk to Lisa, and she kind of lays her on a little bit of a guilt trip. I, I like the way that Marge does say this, though. She says, you know, you don't have to do this. Yeah. Nobody's going to force you to do this, but do you know how your father got the money to be, you know, enter you into this pageant? And Lisa's like, no. And she's like, he sold his ride on the Duff Plimp. And uh, Lisa's like, well, that like the like uh, thing uh, that uh, uh, blimp ride meant everything to him. And we see Homer crying at the kitchen table, and he's not feeling so great about this. I. Uh, but Lisa says she'll do it. She's gonna go ahead and go for it. And I, uh, I love the the dialogue in the next scene, as I. Uh, uh, Lisa and two girls are standing next to each other. And uh, one of the girls is like, you see Tina Epstein? Whoa, if you're going to binge, you better purge. And it's so shitty and petty. But the, the fact that they're so matter-of-fact about everything in the scene is really it's great. It's really great the way they deliver the lines. Awesome. It kind of reminds me of like Mean Girls. Yeah, to a degree. Way yeah. Mean Girls before it's time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Amber Dempsey comes in. Who the hell is Amber Dempsey? In the same week, she was Little Miss Pork and Little Miss Kosher. Damn. That's that's one cute little girl. She is beautiful. Well, there's a reason for that. What's that? Eyelash implants. I thought those were illegal. Not in Paraguay. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we, we see that Amber Dempsey is the, the, the shoe-in to win. I... Uh, and for those who don't know, uh, if you, you know, if you're eating kosher, you can't eat pork, you know, the Jewish diet, you know, just in case. I think we covered that. Yeah. In, um, well, we've covered it in a few episodes, but now I think. Yeah, because we covered it in like Father Like Clown when we were talking about the Krusty the Clown sandwich. Mm -hmm. uh, that one and also uh, um, uh, the other Sideshow Bob episode. Uh, not Black Widower, but uh, Krusty gets busted. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and so back at home, uh, Lisa's talking with uh, her mom and Bart, and she compares Amber Dempsey to the Jack Nicholas of pageant circuits. And Marge is like, well, I don't know. I don't think she's attractive as Jack Nicholas. And she's imagining him like bending over uh, and like reaching into like the the, the hole uh, to get his golf ball. Yeah. And she's like, no, I mean, because he, uh, he always wins. Oh, yes. That's what I meant, too. Uh, which... By the way, he's known as the Golden Bear. Uh, Jack Nicholas has won 18 major championships, and he's hailed as uh, what might be the best golfer of all time. Well, you know why he's great? Why is that? Because he's not a fucking monster, and he doesn't combine tea and lemonade. 
Ah, you and your Arnold Balmer hating. They're both great separately. We don't need them together to make them worse. Uh. <laughs> so, I. Uh, so you know, uh, Marge says that she's going to take her to a beauty shop, a beauty parlor, and you know, get her looking nice. Bart knows the tricks of the trade, though. Taping your swimsuit to your butt, petroleum jelly on your teeth for a frictionless smile, and the ancient art of padding. And Marge and Lisa just gross. It's so weird. Sometimes Bart is really, really effeminate, and this is one of those episodes where he's just on full display. Oh, I love it in this episode. Oh, it's so good. We're going to see it soon with him training Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lisa and Marge go to Turn Your Head and Coif. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Uh, and Lisa's like being hung upside down with like like moisturizer on her face and like the cucumbers over her eyes or whatever and like her hair's tied up in like rollers or something and she's like is this safe as the guy turns on like a blowtorch and he puts on glasses he's like don't worry I am well protected. You say that like you've never done this before. Can't say I have. You don't spend two hours before bed putting on a nice face mask and getting ready to sleep. Mm, This is all natural. I have a very American psycho beauty routine. (laughs) Sometimes I listen to Huey Lewis in the news and cut people up (laughs) with an axe, but other times I put on a nice face mask. Well, you know, potato, potato. Uh, Man, I love horror movies. I wish you knew more horror movies. (sighs) I need to get somebody in here who can help us out with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We'll figure something out. So, I... We go through different haircuts. Uh, we see like a Leia cut. One is Marge's haircut. Uh, she can't even put a bag over her head. <laughs> yes, you can. And so finally they land at the perfect one, which is Lisa's hair, but nicer, arguably. So Lisa and Marge come back. Homer and Bart suck up to them. And, uh, you know, uh, Bart's like, you know, Dad, do you know anything else about women? And he's like, no, nope, no, nope, that's it. And you know, just sucking up to him, basically. And I love that uh, uh, Bart takes this advice as he's at the uh, uh, Phineas Q Butterfats ice cream parlor. And he's like, just like nursing this little tiny ice cream cup. And the, uh, the ice cream shop attendant, uh, who we'll see again in a bit. Yeah, at a weird, weird spot. Yeah. Uh, she goes up and she's like, hey, brushhead. Uh, she's like, you know, uh, what does she say? She's something, something to the effect of like, hey, brushhead, like, you know, you've been nursing that thing for over an hour. And he's like, you know, I was just thinking, how could somebody who works in an ice cream parlor keep such a trim figure? And she's like, I misjudged you. And I love Doris Grau's delivery on that line as she then lands a uh, big giant ice cream sundae in front of him. So one thing I do got to mention yeah. is one of my favorite running gags, mm-hmm. which Homer's giving advice to Bart uh-huh. about women. And he says he'll tell him more when he's older. <laughs> and we get like a, a setup that should be sex. It's always, you think it's going to be sex. And then it's always it's something, always something stupid. stupid. Like Homer saying, oh, the, you know, well, what was the one for the making bacon on a beach? Oh, it's just bacon, bacon on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> she likes making bacon on the beach. And Homer's like, me too. And he goes to imagine it. And it's literally him in his underwear, like poking at bacon in a grill. Love it. 
there's one of those in the Vegas Wives episode in the fan fiction, mm-hmm. which I just recently rewatched because I've been jumping around with a random Simpsons generator. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's this scene where Homer imagines the two wives both doing yard work for him. And Marge is like, you know, there's other things two wives can do. He's like, yeah, you can give me two beers. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, uh, meanwhile, while Bart is, you know, using Homer's advice, uh, Lisa's instructor is super intense. Yeah, he is. I don't even remember exactly what he says. It's like, pause, pivot, step, step, not pivot, pause, step, no, step. No, he said, step, pause, turn, pause, pivot, step, step, not step, pause, turn, pause, pivot, step, pause. Ugh. Shudder. <laughs> oh, shudder. And, uh, yeah, so he's pretty, pretty hardcore. He's a recurring character. Do you remember where you pointed out that he showed up before? Oh, where was it again? He was in the commercial for the karate lessons. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He makes the really (laughs) feminine yell, which is really, really tasteless. But my God, it's really funny. Just the delivery. Love it. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Man. Uh, Bart is giving Lisa more advice, though, back at home. And he tells her to wipe away, you know, if she's announced the winner, wipe away a tear, hug the loser, walk down the runway. And Lisa's having trouble with the heels. And uh, it's funny because I'll always remember how to walk in heels because of this scene. And Bart's like, it's easy. Give him here. And he's like, heel, toe, heel, toe. And Lisa's like, I don't know if I can win. And Bart's like, I'm starting to think I can win. And he gives a really seductive pose. <laughs> it's like, Bart. What are you doing? So this next line was almost my quote for the episode. I love it so much, but it was just barely beat out by something else. Mm -hmm. So Lisa's still upset that she can't win. And she says, but those other girls are prettier than me. And Bart says, Lise, as your brother, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to say. You're not ugly. Lisa then hugs Bart and it's very touching. And I got to say... Yeah, when you're a when you're like a prepubescent kid with your little sister, like I was, I've never had that, but I love that line. It's no, it, it is. It's it's mildly awkward to have to tell your sister, "No, you're pretty," or like, "No, you're not ugly." And you know, every kid, especially going into their teen years, has low self esteem at some point or another. And so, yeah, no, yeah, that's it's awkward, but it goes exactly like that. I. So the contest is going to begin, and they're at Ye Old Off Ramp Inn, which is from Some Enchanted Evening. Yep. It's now rat-free. Oh, yay. Amber Dempsey, uh, as they go through all the kids, uh, wants to grow up to be a sweetie pie. Ah. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Apu's niece and Sanjay's daughter, uh, Pahusa Chita, I think the name is. Pahasachita? Pahasachita? Pahasatrita? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, who uh, says that she's going to be playing uh, MacArthur Park on the tabla? And when everyone's like, ha, 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 she's like, no, I'm serious. Yes, judges, there's your queen. <laughs> hey, who's watching the Quickie Mart? <gasps> and we cut to uh, uh, Nelson, or I'm sorry, no. Uh, Dolph, Jimbo, and Kearney yes. stealing the squishy machine. <laughs> Love it. I, uh, we also have a re- uh, another reoccurring character pop in, Miss Penny Candy. 
Yeah, she does. I love Miss Penny Candy. She I really do. Yeah, I liked her character too. She unfortunately doesn't say anything, but she helps Krusty get ready. And Krusty's like, "What is this? The Republican fundraiser? Uh, is that just like a, a just a really weird like guess?" And that's where the humor comes from, or is he trying to make some kind of statement over seeing like a bunch of little girls on stage? I think it's more just a weird guess, but okay. No, I, I would kind of hope that's what it is. Krusty then runs out, starts singing, you know, and then he's like, oh, that brisket ain't sitting right. Uh, and so after MacArthur Park finishes on the tabla, uh, Krusty's like, I just kept going, huh? <laughs> I love that line. is just so honest. <laughs> he's such a jerk. I love him. Uh, and so Krusty then, uh, uh, oh, no, while, while uh, Lisa's about to get introduced, uh, Lisa does Bart's trick of rubbing petroleum jelly on her uh, teeth so that, you know, she's a frictionless smile. And Homer then starts eating it and liking it. But petroleum jelly, I mean, like, it's not flavored. <laughs> I mean, Milhouse likes Vaseline on toast. Ugh. I've tried it before. Is it utterly vile? Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> Oh, uh, we see the four judges. Did you get uh, get all of them? I don't have the four judges on my list. We have the lady from the ice cream shop, who also is the same one who worked at Izzy's Deli. Uh, that's the you know same lady. We have Jake the barber. Okay. From Jake's unisex hair place. Uh, some mechanic guy as well, uh, which coincidentally is, I think, the same mechanic who works on Krabappel's car in Bart the Lover and the same one at Gasso that uh, had sold the car to Mr. Nicopopoulos. Aww. Uh, His heart's going thump, thump, thump. And then, uh, oh, is it just those? Uh, oh, and then some random business guy as well who doesn't seem to be from anything else. Still missing my favorite judge. Uh, 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 Chilton Gaines, wealthy oh, gadabout. Wealthy gadabout, <laughs> Chilton Gaines. That's such a sweet name. It is. Entitled, too. Uh, but Elisa sings Proud Mary from Tina Turner, and everyone seems to get into it. Uh, Dempsey gets a pretty softball question after that, as it's like, is the Bill of Rights a good thing or a bad thing? And she's like, uh, a good thing. And then she, like, you know, flutters her eyes at the judges who love it. I. Uh, but I, uh, so the unfortunate thing, though, is they go to announce the winner and Lisa's the runner up and Amber Dempsey does everything that Bart recommended. Hug the loser, wipe away tear, and Lisa sort of forlornly walks off the stage. Now, at this point, you would think that, you know, that should be a nice boost that she got to run her up in this contest. Yeah. What are the responsibilities for the runner up? Uh, that's a good question. Do you know? Yeah, if the winner doesn't fulfill her duties, <laughs> and don't say it'll never happen. Because remember that thing with what's her name? Click, click, glug, glug. Is that you a reference know. to something? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not well versed in beauty pageants. Uh, all right, that's fair. I, uh, the Simpson family is at home later on. And we see in the background that the windows are kind of grayed up. And we have uh, uh, Scott Christian. Is it Christensen or Christian? Christensen, I believe. Scott, Scott Christensen. Yeah. yeah, Scott Christensen, uh, who's uh, 
you know, talks about a, a report later on wasting food. Uh, I love that report on wasting food. And it's, it's just a new the, fad. <laughs> sweeping the nation. And it's just this, like, guy with a smile dumping, like, a turkey and milk and all this other stuff in a trash can. Uh, but uh, Kent Brockman is at the Danish super chain shop with a little O with a line through it. And uh, everybody's there, even the mayor's illegitimate son. Aw. And up in the sky, we see the Duff blimp. Barney's on that, right? And it cuts inside, and Barney's like, can I drive? And the pilot is like, sure, I don't see why not. And Barney immediately cranks the wheel. And I love it. The next time you watch, if you haven't caught it, the guy's expression in that scene. Oh, my God, it's so good. He's so like, what the hell? I watched that scene like five times. <laughs> Love it. And so the blimp spins in the air, hits a tower, engulfs in flames like the Hindenburg, and we have Kent Brockman go, oh, the humanity. Anyway. Which, oh, the humanity is a reference to the Hindenburg crash. It is indeed. May 6, 1937, the Hindenburg disaster, uh, because, you know, it was filled with hydrogen. Just, you know. You know what's a good idea for hydrogen? Don't tell me hotels. I was thinking we were going to make hotels <laughs> in the middle of the desert, Craig. <laughs> what is this? Quantum of Solace? Get out of here. This ain't Last Action Podcast. I really hope you go on there and talk about that. Oh, I, I when when they inevitably bring me on, because I'm contractually obligated to be on every James Bond episode, I will rip that scene apart. Hydrogen hotel. Get the hell out of here. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, the uh, much like in the Simpson house where we see it's kind of gray in the skies in the background, uh, it looks like storm clouds start brewing, and I, uh, uh, you know, Marge is like, oh no, all the rain's gonna ruin that you know pretty dress of hers, and Lisa's like, well, I think the bigger concern is if uh, uh, the her scepter acts like a lightning rod, unless it's made of plastic, and you hear the thunder and the flash of light or see the flash of light, and Bart's like, nope, metal. <laughs> And Amber Dempsey has been struck by lightning. And we have Lisa get sworn in as the, uh, uh, you know, new little Miss Springfield. And I feel like that's got to be a reference to, like, uh, president, right? Uh, like the death of John F. Kennedy? Yeah, like the John F. Kennedy death thing, right? I might be crazy, but I feel like that's what the scene is in reference to. Well, I know they were sworn in on the plane post that oh, shooting. Oh, I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Uh, I, I've watched the Kennedy assassination video. I don't know off the top of my head, uh, but it could be in reference to that. Uh, but otherwise, uh, Dave Shutton is uh, interviewing uh, Dr. Hibbert, who says that she's going to be fine. Uh, Amber Dempsey. Uh, she's already won the Little Miss intensive care. I. Uh, we also see that the tiara and scepter have melted a bit, and they're still smoking. <laughs> and I. Uh, Trusty goes to put the uh, crown on or the scepter or I'm sorry, the tiara on her head and then goes to hand the scepter and he's like, here you go. Whoop. And pulls it back. And he's like, no, just kidding. Here you go. Whoop. And then gets struck by lightning. And he says that he deserved that. But I feel like he has a pacemaker, right? He does. Wouldn't that thing be really not yeah. doing good if he was struck? Uh, anyway, I maybe that happened before that. Time paradox. I don't buy it. So uh, over at the Springfield Wax Museum, we see that uh, uh, Lisa's getting a wax figure made after her. 
And Bart's like, that body isn't hers. And the guy running it's like, yeah, the body belonged to Dr. Ruth. Her head's on a bike in the Chamber of Horrors. Uh, by the way, do you know who Dr. Ruth is? Sex columnist. Indeed. Dr. Ruth Westheimer uh, is uh, had a sex radio show. From You think uh, I don't know about sex columnist and radio shows, Craig? I, uh, can, I, can I offend you for all our listeners? Yeah, go ahead. I, I assumed you were still a virgin. No, yeah, I, I, I figured you. And she was also really popular back then. So uh, she's uh, to this date wrote uh, wrote forty five books on sexuality. Uh, what I thought was most interesting is her early upbringing. Did you look into that? Wasn't a Catholic household. No, the opposite. What is it? Uh, well, maybe not the opposite. Uh, her family uh, sent her to a Switzerland orphanage in 1939 because her grandparents and parents would eventually die in World War II. She was Jewish, ah. is Jewish, uh, and she's still alive today. Good for her. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I thought it was super intriguing stuff when I was just glancing through. I saw they sent her to an orphanage, and I was so, like, what the hell? Like, your parents just sent her? Oh. So she's still alive today? Uh, yeah, to the best of my knowledge, she is still to this day alive. Dr. Ruth, if you're listening to this, I hope you are getting your fuck on right now. Good for you, uh, uh, Dr. Ruth. You you get that action. If you didn't get killed in World War II, you deserve to get your fuck on constantly. I would say so. Unless you're a Nazi. Yeah, then fuck you. Yeah, then you deserve to get your fuck on when somebody sells you to fuck yourself and kills you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. Fuck Nazis. Uh, oh, uh, and then the two heads that join her in the uh, Chamber of Horrors, Mr. T and Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Former president and uh, perhaps the greatest man in history. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Clubber <laughs> uh, Lang, come on, man. Absolutely. So Lisa's gaining popularity at school. Yeah, she is, especially with one kid in particular. What What is sad? I know you want to say it, Sean. Oh, I want to say it because I've used this line before. Love that chewing gum walk. Very wriggly. And then they kind of cheers their little milk boxes together. They're such bros. Ralph Wiggum is such a bro with the other kid. At least his voice is back to normal. Yeah. He's being least, a creep. I love that Ralph kind of has the hots for Lisa all the time. It kind of leads up to I love Lisa. It kind of does. I didn't even really stop to consider that fact. So we have uh, Lisa is at the docks and she's like, I just, as little Miss Springfield, I want to welcome you to America. And Wiggum is like, actually, they're being deported. And we then see a scene straight out of uh, uh, an American tale. But now Five Will Goes West. Aww. The good one. Uh, over at Fort Springfield, which is eventually going to get closed down uh, in the episode Springfield of the Dollar Sign, uh, we have Bob Hope, who is a uh, a special guest. Uh, and it's actually his it's voice. It's actually Bob Hope. Yeah, he guest starred on this episode. I like that he comes in and he's like, what's the mayor's name? And they're like, Quimby. And he's like, beautiful. Uh, yeah, he was uh, uh, alive from 1903 to 2003. He was a comedian and actor. Uh, he comes out and he's like, ah, that couldn't be some golfer. Wait, wait, he died in 2003? He did. I thought Bob Hope died like in the 2010s. I didn't realize it was back in 2003. 2003, if I'm not mistaken. He was uh, uh, about 100 years old. I am so sorry to the Hope family that I thought Bob Hope died like way later on and lived longer. Well, I'm sure they'll forgive you. 
Uh, but he makes a joke about how uh, uh, you know Quimby's golf balls spend more time underwater than Greg Luginis, uh, who is an American diver who won gold medals in '84 and the '88 Olympics. Uh, and he uh, also says something that Greg Luginis had uh, AIDS, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, he might have. I don't know. Wasn't he like a big public spokesperson for AIDS? I, I, I that sounds cool. Like I, I would hope that he was, uh, but I, I don't know for sure. I'm not really sure. Uh, while you're glancing at that, though, uh, uh, I appreciate that uh, Bob Hope utters a line that uh, within a few years will never be able to be said again. Uh, this is what you're fighting for if there was a war on. The- yeah, Greg Luganis was a gay rights activist as well as HIV awareness activist. Awesome. Good for uh, Greg Luganis. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, he says if there was a war on. That, that we've been in war since what? Oh three, two thousand one. Oh right, two thousand one. It was post September eleventh, two thousand one. Yeah, and we've been in war since. But at this time, this was a weird era in the nineties where there was no war in America. Well, it was post Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. We were riding high. Yeah, we didn't have another pretty much war until two thousand one. Not full scale, no, uh, for not, sure. Not full yeah. scale there was, yeah, there was like, you know, tinier things here and there. But that's uh, actually a thing that you'll see in the movie industry in the 90s. Like the biggest problem people had was like suburban life. It's such a downer. So they started bringing in more war stuff. And then once war became popular, you started to lose that theme. Because mm-hmm. like suburban life was a downer. It was like a theme of like things in like the late 90s, like um, American Beauty, Fight Club. Oh. Interesting. It's a weird thing that kind of happens with the, the changing of the times that that disappeared. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, but it's because people are complacent, essentially. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, you have uh, Lisa pop in, and the all the soldiers are like, Little Miss Springfield. And uh, one of them was like, first Tony Randall canceled, and now this. Uh, Tony Randall played uh, Felix on the TV version of The Odd Couple. Uh, he was uh, an actor. Uh, Lisa jumps into a helicopter and Bob Hope grabs the rails of the bottom as the sol- like a surge of soldiers riots onto the stage. And I love that Bob Hope is like, send me down to that boat show down there. <laughs> uh, That's one of those lines where I feel like the actor's having a lot of fun being a guest star because the uh, way he says just, hey, send me down to that boat show. He's just having so much fun with it. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So Lisa, however, is having doubts uh, as, you know, Jack Larson is talking about her being a cigarette spokesperson, about how classy she's going to look, you know, advertising cigarettes. And uh, but, you know, it's it's not his fault. Many of their clients had been, well, dying. And uh, uh, they were thinking about retiring menthol moose, who's clearly a play on Joe Cool, the camel. So I got a story about that. Yeah. I had a customer at my work one time randomly come in. And I don't know how we got talking about Simpsons, but we mm-hmm. got talking about, like, he was talking about Camel cigarettes. We were talking about Joe Camel. And he goes, remember when Joe Camel was on the Simpsons? And I went full fucking nerd on him. I'm like, <laughs> well, actually, it was Menthol Moose for the Laramie well, Cigarette Company. And it was in Lisa the Beauty Queen, season four. 1992 was a good year for the Simpsons, and here's my top 10 reasons why. But I went full nerd on somebody, and he looked at me like, why the fuck are you telling me this? 
That's how I feel anytime I talk about The Simpsons with people outside of you. Thank God we have this outlet. And each other. What? What? <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Love so, that walk. Very, very wriggly. wriggly. Uh, so Homer's saluting people in the this parade they're going through. And he's got and, kind of a tear in his eye as he salutes. Bless you, boys. Homer, those are ice cream men. I know. Uh, also in the crowd, we see uh, a few characters aside from The Simpsons. We see the kid from the arcade who taught Homer how to play the uh, the virtual boxing or whatever. And we also have Bleeding Gums Murphy. Yeah. Bleeding Gums needs to show up in a Lisa episode. I mean, I guess it's, you know, maybe he's contractually obligated. Uh, however, Lisa, you know, was on the fence before about being a cigarette spokesperson. And then she sees as Menthol Moose is throwing out free cigarettes to the crowd. Which would never fucking happen. No, it would not. I don't even think it really happened back then. Could you imagine that, like, in the 50s, throwing cigarettes out to kids? No, okay, in the 50s, I can imagine it. Back when doctors told you to smoke because it'll keep you thin. Jesus, God. But Lisa sees Maggie take out her pacifier and put in a cigarette instead, and she has had enough. She stopped, has the float stop, and uh, I like that the Santa float behind her, the, the Santa Claus is like, what's the holdup? Come on! And he's like whipping the, the reins. And Yeah, Lisa goes full Greg Luganis here. She goes full activist with her power. And, and she, good for her. She says that she'll no longer be a corporate chill. And the crushing of menthol moose as she kicks over this giant foam cigarette thing always makes me laugh because of the noise it makes and the fact that his face looks all squished up. Yes. I, I think that she killed Menthol Moose. Oh, Menthol Moose is dead. But she says that she's going to, uh, uh, you know, always use her power for good and stop things like dog napping. Yeah. I wasn't aware dog napping was a huge issue in the 90s, but fair enough. Dog napping's still a huge issue nowadays. Is it really? That's yeah. depressing. Yeah, people try to steal dogs out of backyards all the time. Somebody tried to do it with our dog once. Really? Yeah. That's fucked up. And our dog's a little asshole, so he wouldn't have it. But they, like, <laughs> opened the gate and tried to take our dog, and he was just like... Rah, 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 rah. And they left, but left the gate open. You would think they would close it to prevent the dog from chasing. Whatever. So... Uh, you know, we have uh, newspaper flashes by that li like Lisa kicks butt. Uh, get it? Cause cigarettes have butts. Oh, yeah, uh, I get it. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Lisa's at a football game, a college football game. <laughs> this is one of the funniest scenes with cutaways ever. It's great. So she says that uh, uh, she reminds the audience that college football uh, diverts funds badly needed for education in the arts. And we have nerds in the, the crowd that were cheering were like, is that true? And then they're like, let's get them! And they jump, they run out to the field and all the football players are like, oh no, run! And nerds are like, eh, like chasing after these jocks. I... Uh, then we get a newspaper clipping. Did you read the newspaper? Well, sure. Queen de Mare, you're next. And what's the other one on there? Oh, nerds <laughs> pummeled in football melee. Yes. Oh, God, that's so funny. Really good. Uh, so, Quimby is a little nervous. It's a little weird that he's, like, so, like, going evil and, like, Lisa needs to be stopped when... I mean, you know, like, what does she really have to say to the mayor? 
she can reveal his corruption and get him not elected again? I mean, but later on, they're going to use the mayor to prevent Sideshow Bob from... Ah, whatever. Yeah, but Quimby is a womanizer. He's an illiterate, pot-smoking womanizer. Hey, he's no longer illiterate. Was that the line? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, And so, you know, Quimby is, like, getting mad at Wiggum for not getting off his butt. But, like, what the hell can Wiggum do? He's a cop, and she's a little girl. But, you know, Wiggum's like, can I open these potato chips? And I... Jack Larson comes in and has the answer and Mayor Quimby reads over the, the, the entry form that's Homer messed something up on. We don't know what yet. Uh, and he asks, uh, his, uh, uh, secretary to send in a bottle of champagne and Wiggum's like, eh, and some dip for these chips back over at Simpson house. Lisa is no longer little miss Springfield. And was stripped of her crown in a ceremony earlier today. And then the footage is of a baby goat drinking milk. But apparently, in the space that says, do not write in this space, Homer wrote, okay. (laughs) And so, I, you know, Lisa is, is, you know... Well, Homer, I should say, is is like, man, you must hate me. And Lisa's like, you know, Dad, do you remember, you know, why you entered me? And he's like, I don't know. Was I drunk? And she's like, maybe. Uh, but, you know, you did it to make me feel better. And like, and, and she now feels better. Homer asks if she'll remember that the next time he ruins her life. And she says yes. And then we see Kent Brockman, who uh, announces that he's going to show uh, the interview he had with his holiness, Pope John Paul II who was the head of the Vatican and the Catholic Church from 1978 to 2005, and which point we find out that it is the footage of the baby goat again, and Kent Brockman leaves in a huff and says, if anyone needs me, I'll be down at McDougal's, which I presume is his way of saying he's going to a bar. Yeah, call the weekend guy. I don't care. And the episode ends on the still on the, sh- or on the, the shot of the baby goat drinking milk. Sean... What to you is the lasting impact of this episode? Because for me, I feel like it's kind of it's in a weird gray area where it's like just sort of another Lisa needs self-esteem. Lisa needs happiness kind of thing. Nope. I got one. I got a good one for this one. Yeah. So this is something a lot of people complain about with modern Simpsons. Mm -hmm. But it it kind of had its roots in early episodes. But you really see it here on display where Lisa is an activist. This is the first time Lisa's fully an activist and it's a part of the plot. It's not just some side thing of she's dressing up like a totem pole to respect Native American heritage. She oh, is yeah. an activist, and this is her first role as an activist. It's interesting that like she is really only being an activist because she suddenly has the power of authority over people around her. Whereas in later Simpson seasons, we'll see, especially in like fan fiction, she just sort of jumps onto fads. You know? Which I mean, some of some of her activist roles are really important. That she oh, does. sure, yeah, I'm not gonna say they're not, but I mean, she starts a recycling program at the school. She mm-hmm. gets Mr. Burns involved, and he, <laughs> he makes a great plant out of it. Uh, uh, yeah, so so I think that's the turning point for Lisa's activism. So I will say that is the lasting impact of this. I episode. think you're right. I, I think you're right. I, I was looking at it as sort of just another 
Lisa episode. And that is why, as an adult, <laughs> I like this episode so much more. Because I like seeing that turning point for Lisa and seeing a little more grown up. Because that's kind of why I love Lisa. Lisa's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And I like that she stands up for what she believes in. Oh, no, for sure. It's 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 nice to see Lisa written so well in these early seasons. Because, you know, later on she's going to be like hanging out with Lady Gaga and doing, you know, stupid crap like that uh but yeah you know what when when she has good writing lisa's amazing you know when they need somebody to say something kind of smart and make a, a more intelligent joke they have lisa and it works out great uh but sean tell me what is your favorite quote of the episode so i gotta set the scene for you because mm-hmm. it happens twice yeah and it's the same line twice but it's delivered differently each time mm-hmm. So Homer's really excited that he wants to go, and he's got his Duff blimp ride. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there with a pickle, and in the kitchen, and he's, Hey there, blimpy boy, flying through the sky so fancy free. And then we later see him after he's given it up, and it's, Hey there, blimpy boy, flying through the sky so fancy free. An amazing line. <laughs> Mine is when Homer gives Bart his advice. Uh, and so, uh, it, which is mildly sexist, but I love it. And I have used this before in regular conversation. Boy, when Lisa comes in, I want you to make a big fuss over how she looks. She'll see through me like grandma's underpants. No, she won't. When it comes to compliments, women are ravenous, blood-sucking monsters always wanting more. 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 And if you give it to them, you'll get plenty back in return. Like what? I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs>